Today is Friday, May 12, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros, bracing for border madness. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget, you know you know the drill. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with someone. Don't keep it to yourself. And you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We're getting through the news of the cray here each and every weekday, 7 a.m. Love to have you with us. Joining me, as always, Trey Gorns Phillips, Billy Hallowell. What's up, fellas? Happy Friday. I'm, you know, living you sound, the dream. I'm sound thrilled. I'm I don't be, believe you. I, I don't well, believe you for a second. Up, I was gearing up. I was gearing up because <laughs> I'm, I am pumped and ready for okay. this day. All right. I want right. well, for a second, it sounded like Billy forgot what it was we were doing. It's like, I don't know why we're here, but <laughs> it's a good morning. You all. I wanted to trick you all. I am ready to go. I am more excited than I've ever been for today's show. The border is out of control, fellas. What border? It's just one big open gateway. What do you yeah, mean? No, that's true. That's what it seems like right now. And Title 42 expiring. What do we have coming up on the focus story today? You know, we've got we've got a heartbreaking story about a 20-year-old security guard who has emerged as one of the heroes in last Saturday's Allen, Texas shooting. So we'll be talking about his story. All right, look forward to the details there. John Stolness caught up with the senior economic analyst at Bankrate, Mark Hamrick, about the latest inflation numbers. These are the sorts of things on the economy that people are frustrated haven't been talked about or haven't been addressed to the president enough. So we'll we'll get into that on the main thing. First, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And the Texas legislature passed a measure that allows public schools to hire chaplains in addition to school counselors. In order to be eligible, those chaplains will have to be endorsed by an organization that's recognized by some departments within the federal government, including the United States Department of Defense, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. The vote fell largely along party lines, 89 voting in favor, 58 opposed. And the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Americas, spoke to reporters yesterday ahead of the expiration of Title 42 and sparred with reporters about the legality of the Biden administration's approach to the border crisis. The head of the U.S. Border Patrol, meanwhile, has sent out a memo authorizing the release of illegal migrants into the U.S. without court dates if agents face overcrowding as the Biden administration scrambles to deal with this surge that's coming ahead of Title 42. The memo adds that migrants can be allowed into the country on parole, a process typically that only is allowed for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit if there's overcrowding. Mayorkas previously had said, we are building pathways to getting people into America. Those are just some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. So guys, the reporters yesterday were kind of pushing back on... Mayorkas here and just saying you can't just I mean we have laws here in this country you can't just release everyone because you're saying well there's too many coming in I guess you guys are good oh, everyone come on in and that seems however to be what the Biden administration's plan is I'm, the part of this that we've talked about before and I think it's the most troubling piece of this puzzle 
is that we are a country that people all over the world, by the way, they have attacked our country before. It happened on 9-11. They want nothing more, our, our enemies, than to take us down. So having a porous open border or allowing people in without proper vetting when you don't know who these people are is one of the most dangerous things any country could do for its own well-being. So the fact that this is not one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue for this country on everybody's minds is mind-boggling yeah. to me. You know, I, I know this is like kind of like related to the subject, but isn't necessarily right on target. But the thing that I, or one of the things that I think about anytime we have this immigration conversation is the left literally likes to talk out of both sides of their mouth. So it's like America is an awful country that no one wants to be associated with ever because they're just racist and xenophobic and terrible. And then also all of these people are coming into the country because they obviously want to be here. Uh, it's like, well, we can't keep them from coming here. It's the land of opportunity. They need to be coming here. We need to open our borders to them. And I just think, I, I know this is not the most important part of the of the conversation, but I'm like, wait, okay, which side is it? Which Do you yeah. think America is awful? Or do you think we need to leave our border open because it's the right thing to let everybody into our wonderful country? Yeah, it really is troubling. And it feels like one of those issues is just going to always be there to one level or another but it is as chuck said yesterday you have the size of a decent sized large city coming into america every month i mean that is just unsustainable just adding 12 new entire cities a year we're certainly going to keep reporting on this we'll see what happens you can check out the latest at cbnnews.com but we're going to head over to our focus story now and at the top, we mentioned that 20-year-old security guard died trying to save others during a shooting at the uh, outlet mall in there in Allen, Texas. So what are the details about what this young security guard did? Yeah, I mean, up, up until a couple of days ago, obviously, we were talking about all the victims. There have been a number of stories that have come out of these eight victims. Uh, but Christian LaCour, he was a mall security guard. He was among the eight who were killed at the Allen Premium Outlet shooting. And, you know, it's just it's a heartbreaking story because from what we are being told, he was actually a hero. He spent his final moments trying to usher other people to safety. Um, and then the gunman went after him and he lost his life. Um, again, heartbreaking story, but a really brave 20-year-old security guard who is getting accolades for for really all the right reasons. What did we hear uh, throughout the reporting of this young man about him generally, his character and just his background? Yeah, it was it was interesting to see a lot of people who were on record talking about him that, you know, he had a number of past examples that just showed that he loved to serve people with kindness. Um, one woman who works in the mall said that, you know, after closing time at night, he offered to walk her to her car recently. Um, they just weren't surprised to hear that he went out of his way to be a hero in the midst of this kind of event. It seems like he had the kind of character that you would say, okay, yeah, that not a surprise. That's a guy who was going out there to help other people all the time. And so we see that um, tragically in his final moments, he was doing that once again, you know, serving and trying to protect others. Yeah. And has his family spoken out? Have they, have they reacted to this at all? They have um, a number of family members. Kelly Smith, um, who's his sister-in-law's mother, uh, she apparently wrote, quote, words cannot even begin to describe the devastation that our family feels. She talked about there being a void forever. Um, his mother, Tracy LaCour, said that she was praying for the other victim's family, but she did ask for privacy. Um, his sister, Brianna Smith, talked about the fact that he was just a really sweet kid and how sad she was that, that he was gone. So the family confirmed pretty early on 
that he was one of the victims. And obviously, you know, the police are still investigating the facts and looking at the motive. Uh, Mauricio Garcia, 33 years old, uh, responsible for this. And we're you know, still waiting for those details to come out. But but just a heartbreaking situation all around. It is. And we've ta- and sadly, we've been, had to talk about several of these shootings. But to see a 20-year-old, again, with this level of um, heroism to bravely go after this shooter and try to end this incident. It's just, uh, it's remarkable. You know, I mean, we, we talk a lot about the negatives of the younger generations and the things they're focused on and the selfishness and the, the vanity of it all, social media and everything else. So to see a young 20 year old do something like this, um, you know, it's, it's tragic and sad, but also inspiring. At the same time. Yeah, there's also, I just wanted to throw one other, there's another hero in this, and we don't have the name of the person, but this is a police officer in Allen, Texas, who actually shot and killed Garcia, stopped the rampage. Uh, That police officer wishes to remain anonymous right now, but is recovering and sort of processing what unfolded. And just wanted to note that there is another hero in the mix who's getting some attention, although, again, we don't don't know his identity yet. Yeah, I think stories like this are so important because they highlight the value of human life, which is something that when it comes to abortion is an issue that we talk about a lot that's constantly under attack. And I think remembering as Christians uh, that there's obviously life before a child is born or value in a life before the child is born, there's also value throughout all of all of their lives, right? And the fact that we know instinctually to protect human life uh, is, is, I think, a, a design a feature that God put in place intentionally, right? We have this instinctual desire to save uh, other human beings uh, from danger because I think innately we know that there's value to, to humanity. Um, so I think it's awesome that, that this story is, has has unfolded, and it's also great that we're covering it because I think it's important to to highlight these these kinds of stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So definitely be in prayers for that community there in Texas and that family, of course, as well. All right, we're going to move on now to the main thing. And it is no surprise to many people if you've just gone out and tried to buy something lately or maybe sell your house or something or buy a house, you'll notice the economy isn't exactly all uh, sunshine and lollipops these days. Inflation's still rough. The gas prices are still high. Food prices still high. Well, John Stolnes caught up with Mark Hamrick, who's a senior economic analyst for Bankrate, talking about all of these um, confusing and difficult economic indicators that are happening right now and the possibility on top of it all of default and what it could mean for the overall economy. That's today's main thing. So, Mark, I think people, when they get these inflation numbers that they, that came out this week and we're all experiencing higher prices, we know we're paying more for things than we were a year ago at this time and 12, 16 months ago at this time. And then you see other economic data that shows a strong job market and it shows other in areas in which the economy seems strong. I think people are confused. There's a disconnect between, you know, when we go to the supermarket, when we're trying to buy a car and with some of the other data that is out there. So how do you marry these two things together? How is it possible that that people are still hiring, that the jobs market is still good while inflation continues to be at a higher level than it was a year ago? John, thanks for having me. And that's a great question uh, in all its complexity. And one of the things I want to recognize, of course, is that, uh, you know, in trying to translate 
what's happening in the economy and to connect that to individuals, essentially everyday lives, we have to recognize, first of all, there's a great amount of diversity in those experiences and capabilities and wealth and, and all that uh, in our world and in our country. And so uh, I am immensely aware uh, of the risk that when we talk about these things, people might be listening and thinking, well, wait, that's not my experience. And so what I want to say, first of all, is that, you know, it's sort of like the disclaimer on uh, some commercials along the lines of your results may vary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And and so, you know, all we can do is really address the economic data and, and then the impacts of that bro with broad brushstrokes on, on individuals and households. So to your question about how can we have this and this at the same time with perhaps the two uh, stars of those shows being inflation and a strong job market. In a sense, they are related, uh, but not necessarily um, in ways that people might entirely appreciate. Uh, and, 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 you know, I I'll very often get the question of, is the glass half full or half empty? And my answer would be, it can be both at the same time, right? Yeah. The, the, by almost definition. And so let's just sort of go with the data. First of all, inflation uh, remains high, but has come down substantially from the peak and the most recent snapshots that we got on both the consumer price index and the producer price index, the former being the measure of consumer prices uh, or retail prices and the latter being the wholesale price index. I think the best news here is that there is less inflation in the wholesale pipeline, which has yet to show up at the consumer level. So that suggests that, you know, there's sort of more of the um, gas coming out of the balloon, so to speak, uh, in that inflation pipeline. And that's a good thing. And then the job market also remarkably strong. And let's think about the fact that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell talks about that there's been a mismatch of supply and demand of labor, but that is being slowly resolved in the mm -hmm. sense that the number of job openings in this country is well down from the peak, but still above pre-pandemic levels. And most recently, most remarkably, the nation's unemployment rate fell to 3.4%, which matched the January level, which then matched the lowest level since 1969. So one of the things that the Fed has to balance is getting that inflation number down to where their ideal target is, is 2%, while also not thrusting the economy into a jobs crisis. And so far, they've been steadily raising interest rates. They've been steadily trying to get that inflation rate down by, by increasing the interest rates. And we haven't seen it negatively impact the jobs market as of yet. So is that an indication to you that the Fed has been doing, taking the right steps, taking a measured approach? Have, has, has what they've done been helping or um, is there still a danger that what they have done and what they might do over the next couple of months could still trigger something that would negatively affect the jobs market? I do think that the Fed's uh, more than a year's worth of interest rate increases is having an impact on the job market. We've seen uh, a rather uh, aggressive acceleration in job cuts and job cut announcements, uh, and that has begun to infiltrate uh, new jobless claims, which uh, as of today were at the highest level 
uh, in uh, since October of, of 2021. So that's one thing. And that measures essentially the number of people who are filing for unemployment benefits for the very first time. And we think about how uh, the interest rate Im impacts, uh, the benchmark interest rate impacts the economy. And, and you know it makes sense that the interest rate sensitive parts of the economy begin to feel that first. So for example, the housing market having really been in a recession for more than a year now, and maybe some signs with the decline in mortgage rates, a very slight decline in mortgage rates, that we might actually have a bit of a spring housing market uh, after all. Uh, obviously, it, it created a bear market in stocks that the sharp increase in and in, in tightening of monetary policy, uh, a collapse in crypto, which had been long predicted, and we've even seen contraction in the manufacturing sector. So those impacts are being felt, but you're absolutely right in the sense that um, you know, monetary policy is a, is a blunt instrument. Uh, it's not surgical, uh, and there can be collateral damage. And, and we've seen a fair number of uh, events that are related to that. So, you know, there's a saying that the Fed keeps raising interest rates until something breaks. People will have a different definition of what that breakage uh, might be, but I would argue we have seen those things already. Mm -hmm. uh, and right now the belief is, and that's like as we speak, yeah. that, the, that the Fed won't be raising interest rates again this cycle, or at least in the near term with a meeting set for mid-June. The recession, uh, R word, I guess, is still kind of hanging out there. And I know a lot of people are thinking that it is coming. And, and obviously the elephant in the room is we still don't know what's going to happen with the debt ceiling. I, I think for a lot of folks, it seems inconceivable that we would for the first time ever not raise the debt ceiling and that we would default on the debts that we've accumulated in the past. And most Republicans and, and all Democrats have essentially said it needs to be raised. And the, there, some want to put conditions on it or not. But the political argument aside, is the uncertainty about whether or not the debt limit is going to be raised, especially as we're just supposedly weeks away from default, how much is that spooking the markets at all right now? Is that going to have an impact on what the Fed decides next? Or, I mean, that's, they're not going to, I guess this will hit before the Fed makes their next decision. Is that right? Well, we don't know that for sure. We yeah. uh, have been told that the earliest that uh, the government could breach uh, the, the debt limit or essentially hit that so-called X date could be the 1st of June, but that there's thought to be a lot of uncertainty associated with that because the uh, essentially the, the flowing of uh, revenues into federal government coffers is highly unpredictable. And so I think the Treasury is trying to be aggressive in, in drawing a line as to where that risk uh, resides and understanding that it might not actually be the 1st of June. But the timing essentially, other than avoiding uh, the event, is less important than the notion of the risk itself. And so I think of this in a way like other um, things that could happen as being a low risk, high impact event. And there's no doubt that this is the largest source of uncertainty for the economy right now. And that is something that undermines both business and consumer confidence. And so the resolution of this uh, in, a, in a way that is less than or more than temporary uh, would be extremely useful. And to your question about about the recession, um, you know, we survey economists at bank rate every quarter, uh, and for three quarters now, a, a, the consensus among economists is that the risk of a recession in the near term, let's say in the next 12 months, 
is elevated. And they most recently put those risks at essentially uh, two in three mm. in the year 2023. And I would just add that uh, we don't know exactly when a recession will occur, but it's an inevitable part of the economic cycle. And one thing that people who are listening here uh, might recognize is that uh, the impacts of inflation have been sufficiently damaging that a recession might actually be less severe than what the impacts of the uh, a recession would be. And we think about the previous two recessions when the unemployment rate peaked at 10% in October 2009, and it now seems like a long time ago, but peaked at 14.7% in April of 2020. That was sort mm -hmm. of the post-depression high yeah. for unemployment. So I think it's reasonable to assume, barring uh, a debt default, that um, we can get through this without something like those two previous episodes. Well, this is an ever-changing story day by day, hour by hour almost. And, and we know that this week the White House is meeting with congressional leaders on the debt limit and there's going to be negotiations. One has to believe there's an off-ramp here somewhere and, and everybody's hoping that they'll not only find the off-ramp, but actually take it as well. And so we'll see uh, what happens with all that. Folks, make sure that uh, you're checking out everything uh, that bank rate is uh, talking about, reporting on for all of these different economic stories. And you can also follow Mark on Twitter at Hamrickisms. Uh, great Twitter feed, lots of information there. So Mark, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My great pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for your good work in this space, John. It's a real pleasure. All right, John, thanks so much for that interview there and the information. Appreciate it. People still dealing with the economy and it just continues to stagnate or get even worse in some circumstances. So appreciate you breaking that all down. That leaves us with time here on this podcast for one last thing. So we're going to look at James 1, uh, 117. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I think another thing that we tend to lose perspective on is that everything is from God. We tend to think of things as ours, right? If we kind of remember that everything belongs to God, I think it puts us in a better spot. It does. Yeah. I mean, being able to just, you know, remove the obsession with ourselves and know that God's got us and he's got a plan for us and he's got things for us that maybe they're not the things we wanted or thought we were going to have, but we yeah. trust in that plan. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Good place to leave it there on the podcast for this week. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall be back here on Monday with more. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you then. <laughs>